0: This is Rachel and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org/youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: John 16:13 it says, <clears throat> "When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. I'm going to read it one more time. And so if you want to, if you're already closing your eyes, but if you want to, you can close your eyes and just hear what I am reading. And then I'll give you a minute or two of silence to just pray. Again, prompt one for yourself in receiving the truth, but also praying for the panelists that they would feel confidence in the Lord um, in this discussion. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. I'll invite the panelists up, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, I just thank you so much, um, just for this night and for your for knowing that we would all be here together tonight, and you would know every single part of the night, all the small details and all the large details, and all the questions written in that bin. Um, And all the questions in our mind that we could spend even more weeks, if not years, thinking and talking and discussing about. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that in each and every heart that they would feel peace and rest with you, knowing that you are God over all. And for the panelists, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and remind them of your truth, your scripture, that they would be able to share that as encouragement, but overall really just the truth. This truth that will set us free. Um, and I pray again for us that each person, panelists, myself, people listening, um, every person here, that you would open our hearts and open our minds and make us, make our postures ready to receive um, everything that you want to do tonight. And even though that might bring a lot of conviction or it might bring, thought-provoking thoughts that maybe we don't know how to really run off of, or we might feel like our question didn't get answered, or we might feel like we have secondary thoughts about it. I just pray, Lord, whatever the next step is, whatever you would want us to do, that we would rely on your Holy Spirit as we do right now during this panel time. So we're excited, and again, just speak right to us, um, and let us know your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: All right, so I have the privilege of picking the questions. Well, actually, no, I'm going to Each of you get a chance to to pick two. Um, Just a disclaimer, you know, because there's not prep for this, there might be a chance that we're like, hey, pass. Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know how to, uh, and and that's okay. Like, just know that it's not that your question is too hard, um, but because it is so important, we don't want to give you an answer or to like pull up, pull something out of our butts and then like it's just this honoring to you truly because each question you're asking is somebody you care about and because you care about it and we care about you we want to give you a real legitimate answer so that's not if we end up doing that you can come find me or one of the panelists and we can explain or we can talk more about it um we're not and just know we're not afraid to answer your questions either. Like, that's even something I was praying for for us tonight, that not, that not only that you would be bold enough to ask hard questions, but that we would be bold enough to respond in kindness as well. And so we're not afraid to answer these questions. We just care about you and therefore may not be able to answer them tonight. So just, just a quick disclaimer. All right, Jimmy, you're last. <laughs> so just so just if kidding. We,
3: if we pick the question, we have to answer it? Or no, no, it you're, go sp- to you're the speaking picking two. The, okay.
2: Yeah, just pick two. Oh, Yeah. Geez. We're the bat. All
3: right. All right. Just dig Did in. Did you explain why any of us are up here and who we I'm are? I'm about to. I'm just, oh, just okay. I'm just,
2: I'm building the anticipation. You don't know
3: me from Adam. Like, who is she? Why is she there?
2: I just pick four random people that go to Mosaic and they said yes. You know, that's kind of what happened. Honestly, they were outside the church and I was like, do you want to pretend to be? No, so hey, I can, I'll take them all for me. What? Yeah, this is the, all a part of it. Yeah, oh. and I take it, and I throw them out. No, I'm kidding. I'm oh, just holding on to it. I'm so
3: confused.
2: <laughs> I just trust the Lord is going to pick four, you know, okay. all these questions, okay? So they're there, and we're going to get to them, and then okay. hopefully we'll answer the million others that oh, are in there. <coughs> okay. But, Deb, yeah. since you so kindly asked, would you like to tell Mosaic who you are?
3: Yeah. Hi, I'm Deb Moline. I go to church here. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm the oldest person in this room. Um, so let's see. I've been on staff at Mosaic for uh, about 12 years now. What, what, what? I didn't hear it. Also, I'm deaf and I can't hear. No, I do have hearing aids in, so I can hear you. What happened? Yes. All right, watching you people. Uh, anyway, I've been on staff for 12 years. Um, I'm director of our, our counseling and um, recovery programs here, so it's mostly what I do. Um, in the past year, I have started teaching Bible study on Tuesday night, and that's been really fun. I've really enjoyed that, it's very new for me um, and not something I've ever really done uh, before in the past. I've worn um, 27 different hats since I came on staff here. Um, I used to be on worship team and um, back in the days. That was a while ago. And yeah, so wore a lot of different hats. I've been married for, uh, this year will be 37 years to my husband, Bill. He's still super cute, very handsome. And, um, he, um, he is not here tonight. I did invite him. I'm like, hey, do you want to come and answer random questions on a panel? He's like, no, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) So, um, and we have four children, uh, Caleb Corbin, Courtney Christiana, and they range in age from 34 to 26. And only one of them is married. My youngest one is married, Um, so. And right now, the love of our lives is our dog, Remington. And he, if you know me at all, I will tell you about him all the time, so cute. I don't know, is is that enough about me? Okay, on to Jen. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: I'm Jen. Um, thank you. <laughs> wow, that's really <laughs> very touching. <laughs> I need to come here and say my name more often. Um, I'm Jen. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, guys. You guys just all need to come to my house every morning. I'll stand up and say, "I'm Jen." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are awesome. This is why I love serving at Young Adults. Um, I love you all. I have been serving here at Young Adults since, remember, May-ish, maybe April, not sure. Um, and it was one of the highlights of starting 2021 or of 21 is being here with you guys. Uh, I, my family is back there in the corner. Um, I am married to Kevin and woo, yeah, Kevin. Um, He's on staff here at church. He is the creative director, and uh, we have three. There's Rowan and Finley and Orion, Um, and yeah, we I homeschool them, um, so we spend a lot of time together, and I love it. I love homeschooling. Uh, I went to school for art majors, and yeah, I love reading and outside and. adventures. Where am I from? Yeah. She knows. I grew up in, I was born in Canada. <laughs> I wasn't going was to ask you
2: that, because I heard you say, Not as many know. cheers after that. I
0: know. <laughs> as, maybe right now, too. I don't know. Except, did you see the truck in the, in the parking lot? It has a huge Canadian flag in the back of <laughs> it. It's not mine, but I have a little wallet with the Canadian Do you celebrate on it.
3: Canadian Thanksgiving? I do. Like, I've heard that's Sometimes, like a separate yeah. thing. Yeah, okay.
0: it is. It's uh, Columbus, or the new name for the
3: um, weekend.
0: Uh, yeah, it's October 9th or 10th is usually, sorry. Uh, I don't remember. I don't want to mess it up, and I get... Uh.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. And this is Jen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: This is what happens when you unscript us. Yes. This is what happens.
2: I'm okay with it, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Jimmy. (laughs)
0: This is how we cheer on everybody now. I'm not even gonna say
2: my name, because I'm afraid (laughs) it's not gonna be as amazing as yours.
0: (laughs) Let's see, let's see. Hey
4: guys, my name is Jimmy. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Um, so a little bit about me. I am uh, married to my wife, Allison. We've been married for about five years now. Um, so uh, we have also a about to be a two-year-old daughter come next month. Uh, so, uh, what I do here on staff is I get to oversee our learning spaces and our classes uh, related to our Bible study and uh, Christian belief class, which we just finished uh, just now. So, Will Schoffelberger got to teach on the doctrine of the, of the Trinity, and I think he loves attention and he loves credit. Uh, so... Uh, I get the privilege and honor of getting to oversee that and getting to teach. Uh, I actually got to teach here at Young Adults a couple of times here, and uh, I missed that. Uh, sadly, I'm finishing up my master's degree, so that's taken away my time, but I look forward to being back here. Uh, so is, is, is anything else? I'm from Texas, uh, born in Southeast Texas, and uh, I love Bucky's. Uh, so um, you guys know what that is. Uh, So, that's just just a part of who I am, Uh, so I'm looking forward to tonight.
2: Jimmy, what's your favorite genre of music?
4: We're in church, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If it's not not safe here, where else? I
4: love the 90s hip-hop rap East Coast and everything, so, yeah, uh, it's a little conflicting now that I'm a Christian (laughs) and everything, so I I try to measure that.
2: (laughs) All right, okay, sweet. Let's uh, let's dive into these questions then, shall we? Okay. Y'all know enough about me. I talk about myself every, every week. Um, so we'll dive into these. <clears throat> now, I I wanna, I was, as they were talking, I was reading through some of these. Now, I, I, another disclaimer. Um, not everybody on this panel will 100% agree with the other person. So you're not gonna hear necessarily always a uniform answer. And that's primarily because not, there's there's these beliefs that are orthodox, like believing Christ is the uh, Christ is God like right? Jesus is God right like there's orthodox beliefs that to be a Christian to be considered an orthodox christian you'd have uh, to affirm these and then there's other issues um, in terms of um, ethics and sexuality and lifestyle and all those things that um, are more on the liberty side of things and so it gets dicey, it will get dicey and I'm already praying as we speak about this because I already read some of these questions and I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I want you to know the church and God, more importantly, is not afraid of your questions. Um, again, we're not God. I'm afraid of these questions. He's not afraid of these questions because um, I'm only human and I don't know everything to, to, to the degree that he does. But what I do know is time that that God describes himself in terms of, our relationship to him about questions. He says, ask and you shall find. Yeah. He's not hiding himself, right? So if there's something unsatisfying about our, our answers tonight, if there's something we can't answer in its fullness, just know that this is not the, the end all be all. Your theology should be morphing throughout your age. You should be growing in your understanding of scripture. You should be growing in relationship with Jesus and he will speak to you for the rest of your life. You just know that it's not just today, but for all the days of your life. So just wanna give a disclaimer as we engage in these questions. So here they go. Let's start with the first one. It's the smallest of them. It says, will God help me with my struggle with pure OCD? So pure, uh, I, I think it's says pure OCD. It was the smallest word on there, but okay. Okay. Cool. With pure OCD.
3: There's no rhyme or reason. Whoever wants to jump
2: in, you can jump in.
3: Well, okay. Uh, I mean, the simple basic answer is yes, right? I mean, uh, God will help us with any malady that we have. I think there are some um, different ways. Mental health issues are, um, you know, they're, they're kind of this middle ground, right? It's not like there's anything in the Bible necessarily about, mental health issues like OCD or, you know, bipolar disorder. There's all these things that, that are not mentioned in the Bible. So we can't say, oh, this is what Jesus said about OCD, obviously, right? Um, but we do know that Jesus healed people of their physical um, uh, their physical diseases, right? We know that uh, all of the diseases that we deal with are the result of, as Renault puts it, living on planet death, right? And so... Um, God created the world to be perfect and sin entered the world and death and all the maladies, all of the different, all of the things that affect our bodies. (sighs) The problem with mental illnesses, I think, is that they're not um, measurable. And most of the most of the, some of them are. Um, you know, there's some things that we can measure. we can actually see pathology similar to like we could with something like diabetes or cancer, like schizophrenia, dementia, things like that. But when we get into some of these other things like anxiety, depression, um, even um, OCD, it's not like we can put a slide under a stethoscope and see cellular changes and say, "Oh, this is OCD, right?" Um, and that's where we kind of get in trouble it's like what is what is a disease and what is like, you know, this mental health thing that might not get labeled as a disease. And then when it doesn't get labeled a disease, but it's still a really hard issue for you, that's where you start feeling like judgment or condemnation or shame. Like there's just something wrong with me, but it's me. Like I should be able, I should be able to, and you hear that word should a lot. change this, control this. Okay. So I would say like any other physical malady that we would ask God to heal of, you know, we pray for people with cancer. We pray for people with all kinds of other things. So yes, God can help you and God wants to help you. It doesn't always look like we want it to. I don't think it always looks like we might picture it in our head. Okay. So, um, You know, a lot of people um, take medication for OCD, right? And there's nothing inherently wrong with medication. It does serve purposes, right? There are times when there's just a chemical thing wrong and the chemical thing wrong happens to be in our brain instead of somewhere else in our body and doesn't show up like other things do. And so, yes, it's it's okay to take medication. It's not like there's anything wrong. You're not, not trusting God unless, you know, and there are people that have cancer and they choose not to have chemotherapy because they really feel like that's what God's trusting and asking them to do, right? But inherently, is it wrong to do that? No. Um, but yeah, I think the bottom line is yes, God can heal and He does heal. Um, but He doesn't always heal. and it doesn't always happen the way that we picture it. That's kind of a long answer. but um, whoever you are that wrote that question, I'd be more than happy to like really talk with you one on one about that later. And because the last thing that we want people to feel is shame right? Like I said, um, and I think that so many times with things that affect our brains, there's more shame attached to it because it seems like something we should be able to control or change, right? So I'm just going to, that's my take on it.
2: The, the only other thing I'd like to add to that is when we ask these questions in terms of like mental health and the will God help me, I think you said something really important. Like it's not always the way we it's not, it does not always look the way we think it would. Mm-hmm. And so we, what we think is that often with these things that are difficult, it's only done in private. Like I, if I pray hard enough, if I fast enough, if I do this enough, then God is obligated to reward me by removing this thing that is harming me in my life. And that's just, there's no one-to-one uh, ratio on that. You, you can pray earnestly every day, whoever you are, you can pray earnestly every day, and it just may not be that way. It may not go away. Um, but what God does promise though, is that He will always be with you. What He does promise is that there will be a community to surround you through it, that this is not meant to be something that marks you as alone and forever, uh, cast aside as an outcast. No, it, it just may not always be that. And, and I've met many people who, have, who struggle with mental health issues for the rest of the course of their life. And one of the most beautiful things that they've always told me, especially those who experience depression, um, is, man, I would never know how much I need God if it weren't for my depression, which is crazy. Like this is thing that like harms them that, that that causes them to question their life that 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 they have suicidal ideation at times and yet what they say is man it isn't until I'm met with something that I cannot overcome on my own that I recognize man I need God more than anything else and so if the, you know just just to the person who's writing this question your OCD does not. Um, act as a barrier to God's relationship with you. In fact, it, it can be something that God uses to increase your relationship with him. All right, let's move on to this other question. Um, this one's a longer one, so I, there probably is a question within this. So, I'm struggling with knowing and hearing where God wants me to go and do with my life. I'm actively praying to God for guidance, but I feel like I'm stuck in this waiting period. I'm unsure of the next step I should take. I'm unhappy with where I'm at and I'm trying to make a change, but where do I go? All right, anybody not feel this way <laughs> at some point? Um, I think, and th- in, in whoever this is, just know I'm, I'm not trying to butcher your question, but I think if I'm trying to summarize this question, um, how do I know what God wants for me, and how do I know how to hear what he wants from me? So whoever wants to jump in on that.
0: Um, I think a lot of times we all struggle, we want like that clear path and the clear door and the, like, everything, all that, you know, we pray, the door, Lord, close the doors and make this way, and then we like wait, and we wait, and I think sometimes we get so caught up in that, that like when we think about it, like, the Bible is God's revealed will to us, and like sometimes it's just being obedient, and like in our moment each step, and... And what is he calling us to is to love and serve and and um, be obedient to him. And, you know, and and I think in our humanness, we want like the yes or no, like a very, I don't know. And we get caught up there like, and I think it's not, does God speak? Yes. And does he sometimes say, and the spirit reveal to us what exactly he wants, yes, but I think we get so caught up, sometimes it paralyzes us, and we miss just makes sense? yeah, like I, I don't think it's yeah, uh, but like, yeah, right, sorry. sorry, just. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I sound like my son. He no, makes good. Uh,
4: I think Jen, you're um, on the right track, and I'm just going to piggyback yes, off. please do. Thanks for giving kind please of like a little do. spark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think under, there's a question underneath that is um, just kind of like. Uh, oftentimes, we ask ourselves like, what is God's will for my life? Um, you know, and. Uh, You know, oftentimes uh, when we think about God's will, uh, we can often think, give me an exact answer, such as like what college I should go to, where should I move, who should I marry, and those exact and precise things. And usually when it comes to that, like, um, it's not clear. (laughs) Um, It really isn't. And there isn't like a really big, easy how-to, black and white type things like that. So really, though, what is clear when it comes to the will of God, as Scripture tells us, is that the will of of God for your life is your sanctification, is your holiness. And basically what that means is like, hey, it's loving God and loving neighbor. And I know that sounds very trite, and I know that sounds very unsatisfying, but that's actually the most satisfying thing we can do when it comes to asking, what does God want from me? He wants you to love him and to trust him and believe him and to be obedient to what it is that he has for your life. And if we keep it as simple as that, then we can follow what Matthew six says: is that hey, don't be anxious with your life. You know, we're worried about all these things, what tomorrow has to bring. But uh, God's word says, hey, He cares more about you than He does about the birds that He clo- that He gives a nest to. He cares more about you than He does with uh, than He does the grass that He clothes. You know, um, how much more does He mean to you? Uh, So underneath that question, um, I know it could be very anxious about, like, your future, or where to go. And in our 20s, I know when I was in your stage of life, um, like, uh, just trying to figure out life, what's next? What does God have for me? uh, You know, uh, it always went wrong whenever I did things in my own strength, in my own power, in my own wisdom, rather than obeying him and relying on him and being content with where he has me uh, right now, even if it stinks. Um, because there's a lesson to be learned in the midst. And that doesn't mean that if you're in a really, really bad situation, like get out of it. If it's an abusive situation, that's not what I mean, but being content and uh, resting in him, uh, no matter the circumstances that you're in. So hope that's helpful.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Jim. Nah, yeah, you took it over, yeah. I, I think one thing that I also, and this is not something I'm great at, and I can't say this with 100% clarity because I'm similar age to a lot of you here, um, but something that I've gleaned a lot of wisdom from mentors and, and people who've discipled me is like, we get, we get so caught up with asking this question as if if we don't get this right, <laughs> then the world will end. Awesome. And then in 10 years, it's like, wait, that was what I was worried about? Or like when, you know, I think about my marriage to Rachel now and how the difficulties come with that. And if I don't get this right, will I be a good husband later? And then I think about those who have kids and they'd be like, I'm just just trying to teach my kid how to put his pants on, right? Like, and he doesn't listen to me. I'm not worried about my marriage right now. I'm worried about how to be a parent. And like, there's always, I think, there's always going to be something that's gonna tempt you to believe um, two things. One, that you are the center of the universe And two, that if you don't get the life you want, the life that you lived wasn't worth it and neither of those things are true. Um, And so it just reminds me, again, Matthew six, at the very end of it, he says, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And all he's really saying is if you seek me, there will be nothing that you, like like Psalm 23 says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I will end up wanting because I find it all in him. Um, again, that can sound really religious and trite, I think as well. But the more I come to like constant difficult forks in the road, the more the forks in the road serve as a reminder that, man, God really does have it. And if I do it in my own strength, like you said, I end up trying to carve up a third option and then end up making my life even more difficult because it's not even on the road. (laughs) It's like off-road.
3: And I just want to throw in there too, like, it's it's it can be a lot more simple, right? Than than you're making it. So. Um there's another verse that came to mind for me, uh, which is in the Old Testament. And I'm terrible with references. This is the one thing I want to work on this year to be better on references with scripture verses. But, um, you know, it says, he's showing you a man what is good for you, right? To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You can do that wherever you are. I think sometimes we get so, we get caught up, what's God want me to do? Well, yeah, he wants us to love him, love our neighbor, you know, do justly. But wherever we are, whatever vocation we're in, so, what are you good at? What do you like to do? What do you want? Like, you can get a job, and then you just serve God. Like, that's what all of the New Testament guys did. They all were tent makers and farmers and and fishermen. And but as they went about their day, they did justice and they loved mercy. They showed compassion to people. They gave and and whatever. So we don't have to overthink. It's like as we go about our daily lives we're serving God in that and every day, you know, okay, God, what are we doing today? What's your purpose to plan for me today? As I go about my job, you know, as whatever my my job is that I'm doing, whether it's glamorous or not glamorous. And if there's a job that you want that you don't have, and you're like, you want to do something better, or you want to rise up in that job, or you want to go through ranks, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are all because wherever you are, if you get up here and you make more money and you can be more generous, you can give and help the kingdom of God that way. So, we don't have to overthink it. What are you good at? What do you love to do? What, do you, what are you passionate about? Yeah, do that. And then do those, serve God while you're doing it.
0: Sorry, I was uh, just going to yeah. uh, pay back too on what Jimmy said. Like, I think that we can you know, what we're supposed to do in life, and those are all things that we're supposed to think through. But, like, to really be filled and find contentment is filling yourself with the Lord and letting Him be the ultimate thing that you're looking towards. And so getting in the word and letting his truth and his wisdom fill you and overflow into all the areas of your life, like it will become clear and there won't be questions probably. I mean, you'll still question it, but keep coming back to the Lord and praying and reading your Bible and letting his truth and his wisdom fill you. Because when your eyes are fixed on him and you see that he's your satisfaction and he is your provider and he is all these things that you're looking for to make decisions, then it, you're, he guides you and he will show you the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There are two questions in this pile that probably will take the rest of our time. So I'm going to throw up an easier one, I think for us, and then we will, we'll wrestle through these next two. But, um, I enjoy this question. Partly because I think you might be asking this, I could be completely wrong, but you're asking this as a dating question, but what is the easiest way to ask someone if they know Jesus? <laughs> this,
4: this is not the ultimate thing but uh bring them around your christian community mm. they'll they'll get found out really quickly. oh gosh
2: <laughs> is that what Allison did with you she brought you around
4: we were actually uh, we met in church oh, okay uh, so that helped out a lot <laughs> so what is what's the question what's the
3: easiest way to ask what someone? is the
2: easiest way to ask someone if they know jesus
3: isn't like, that the easiest And it could way? not be a dating question. It could,
2: ju- it could just be like an evangelism yeah. question too. Like, I don't want to waste my time evangelizing. Who knows Jesus? Oh, yeah. is, and well, my
4: answer was uh, was a dating context. Yes, it yeah, does. that's sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it
2: could be. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just adding context to this. I, I could be wrong. I'm so sorry if this is you and I'm completely missing the point. It's not my question, but maybe they just don't want to say like, do you know Jesus?
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. I think it's always good to ask people, like, hey, what do you think about such and such? What are your thoughts about? Mm. Like, have, Mm. you know, like, what do you think about, like, Christianity and people that follow Jesus? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of see where it goes from there. I mean, that's not quite as stark and blunt, I guess, as, do you know Jesus?
2: And I think, like, if you. If you really wanna know if this person knows Jesus because you wanna be in friendship or relationship with them, um, you gotta ask them way more questions than this one. Like you'll get to that eventually. Like when I talk to people, I'm not, that's not the, that's not the first and only thing I think about, but I'm, if I wanna create a, like, if I'm in Chick-fil-A or wherever, like in Chipotle asking for food and I'm standing in this long line with someone, I don't look to the person next to me like, I wonder if they know Jesus. Let me ask them. I'm just like (laughs) long line, huh? You know? Like (laughs) like, (laughs) and just start off that way. But this
3: could also be like an evangelism (laughs) like how like how do I know if somebody like it could be an evangelism question too. I don't want to ask that. So that's why I think it's Yeah, maybe Maybe, it's an evangelism question, like if I how do I know if somebody if I should witness to somebody or if I should share Mm. the gospel, that could be another way to look at it as well.
0: I mean like, you ask. just could ask too yeah. you could just ask them yeah. and and then spark some conversation or and if they say no then say why not what are your thoughts or yeah. I don't know I think I we think get it? afraid and sometimes we uh, overthink it and it could just be as simple as asking
4: mm-hmm. conversations dialogue
0: yeah. yep. alright um,
2: <clears throat> so we're gonna, we're gonna try to answer this question. And if we feel as a panel, this is a, a pass, not because we don't care to answer it or because we don't really have an answer, but we wanna have a bigger dialogue, that's fine. But it is one that I think is important and, and I'm not surprised that we've gotten this question. Um, do you believe that a man and another man cannot fall in love, get married and act on their desires? Why or why not? Why is that so bad? I feel like hey let 's just do I, one thing here yeah, yeah. let 's just let 's just pray real quick can we do that okay. let 's just do that real quick, just because we we know this is a serious question and we yeah. let 's just pray about it uh, father, we know that you 're the god of all wisdom, um, that you have a life and plan designed for your children to follow, um, but we know that we can sometimes miss the mark and we mean the best and and yet we can answer out of preconceived notions, out of feelings or understandings. But Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak here clearly tonight, um, both to the person who wrote this question to their heart um, and to us as panelists, as, as we seek to try to answer this question. Um, we're not the final authority, you are. Um, so that's all what we'll, what we petition to you to, God, just speak. Speak tonight, speak to your people, uh, because your word is the final say, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: Thanks, Caesar, um, I guess I'll get started. That's all right. Um, yeah, uh, I want to uh, answer this question with sensitivity, um, but also truthfulness as well. Um, so it's a delicate balance uh, because I know we may have friends or family members who um, uh, who struggle with homosexuality and everything. So I want to be very kind. Um, kind and also truthful as well. So to begin to answer this question, we kind of have to first start with just who God is in the first place, um, is that God is good, um, that he is love, that he is just, and that he's also our creator and judge. Uh, so when God created um, when God created man, uh, by man I mean humankind, he created the male, m- male and female, and he designed the world to function in a specific way. When we look at your watch, if you look at your watch, if you looked at anything, uh, that has a function, uh, it's designed to function in a certain way, right? A clock is meant to tell time. Um, things are meant with a specific purpose as well. In uh, the way that God designed humanity uh, when it comes to relationships and humankind um, to interact with one another, uh, specifically within the context of marriage, it's between a man and a woman. Um, and I know that's like a straightforward answer right there, but uh, when we hold to that, right? when we believe that God is good, that His way is just, then being obedient means knowing the fact that homosexuality is a sin. And I do want to say that as well and be truthful with that. Now, uh, when it comes to the theologically what homosexuality is by nature, uh, I usually go to Romans chapter one. Um, and in that chapter, Uh, it does list out homosexuality as a sin. It doesn't say there that it's the most egregious sin, so to speak, or that it's distinct. There are other passages that talk about the severity of homosexuality. But specifically in Romans 1, um, theologically, what's going on is uh, Paul is talking about idolatry. Um, Idolatry is whenever we basically put something above God and worship it. But let's go back. Sorry, I'm going down a long rabbit trail when it comes to theology here. But uh, what idolatry is, is basically this. We're saying that something outside of ourselves, something that is different from us, right, is not worthy of being worshipped. God is different from us, right? Is that clear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not like us. There's no one like our God. But he is our source, for life. We need him. We need him, whether we believe that or not. Like he, we need something outside of ourselves to give us life to save us and to rescue us. And what idolatry is, is that we're saying something that is not God, that is on earth, right? That is created is something that can give us sustenance that can give us life. And what homosexuality represents basically is that something that's inside of us, that is the same, right? Uh, man, man, female, female, that will give us life and sustenance, whereas a male and a female, they're distinct. They're different. Which is why Paul switches from idolatry, and he lists an example of idolatry, or homosexuality as an example of idolatry there. Does that make sense? So that's the theological nature of homosexuality there. Uh, So that's why it goes against the character of God, because he believes that in order to gain life and sustenance, we need him. We need something different and outside of ourselves to give us life, and homosexuality reverses that. And it says that, no, like, what gives you life is looking at yourself in the mirror right there. That, that can give you life, but no, it's something outside of ourselves. It's ultimately God and his ways. So that's a long-winded answer and theological answer, but I'd love for you guys to kind of share that, what your thoughts are. <laughs>
2: Um. Yeah, thank you for that, Jimmy. Um, I can say that it's clear the mood has shifted in the room. We're like, yeah, it's okay. Thank you for being honest and bold about it, but I'm also just wanting to be aware that yeah, we get it. This is a serious question, and so just know that even as we're doing this, even if you feel resistant inside of you, just pray for a moment as you sit there and ask God, is what Jimmy's saying true? Like, is this true of what you, if this is true of you, God? Um, because again, Jimmy's not the final authority. He, God is, so he will not hide himself from you. Um, you're not called here to wrestle with Jimmy's view. You're here to wrestle with what God says about life. Um, <clears throat> but as I look at this, uh, there are a couple of things that I just want to point out, even within the question. Um, first, on the nature of love. Um, the the notion of falling in love with somebody uh, has no real basis, okay? You don't fall in love with anybody. You choose to love them. Like, I didn't marry Rachel because I accidentally, like, Whoa, whoops, I guess this is the person now. And then it switches later because then I, whoops, I fell. And that's the thing. We, 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 and you get, and especially with celebrities, we see this all the time because their, their relationships are, are, are magnified and everyone is marrying the other and fall in love with this person until that person doesn't look good with lipo anymore. And that person, and then this one and that one, you know, it's like, you're, it's like an accidental thing. And it's, it's, it's not like that. Love, by nature is, is an action. It's a choice that we exemplify. So you, it's not falling in love with someone, you're choosing to. So on, the, on that end, there, there's that side of the question of falling in love and getting married. It's, it's, you're choosing to, to love that person and get married. But the second thing that our world often tries to get us to, or to convince us is that one, love is of the highest order and two, that Sec, our sexuality is the most important thing about us. And that's, neither of those things are true. Um, the, if I am, love somebody, that's great, but that doesn't have to equate to romantic love to feel satisfied and fulfilled. And My sexuality is not the most important thing about me because if I am this person and I feel like I want to be with a man or I'm sexually attracted to another man, God did not save me so that I would be straight. God saved me to be with him forever because no woman or man could ever satisfy the longings of my heart. Um, And so then, and act on their desires. You've got, yeah, whoever wrote this, you're right. Like it's not about acting, it's about acting on the right desire. Like I love how Augustine puts it. We all have disordered desires in our hearts. You come into this church and you're, we're all jacked up. Our desires are all jacked up, all the time, everywhere. It has not, and, not, and not just in romantic love, in friendship, in, in the things that we yearn for, it's jacked up. And so God in his kindness, through the Holy Spirit, through the sacrifice of Jesus, begins to reorder our loves. We just resist him on, on it because we think we're convinced because of the, what the world says and because of what our hearts long for. That the, that the way that we view our lives it should be is greater than what God has designed it to be. But it's simply not true because I'll be honest with you, I could not be married to Rachel and have great godly friendships with men and I probably would be just as happy. When I look at my friendships with Caleb and Obi and these men who stood by my side as I, as I made a covenant with Rachel, I mean, these are men that I cry with. These are men that, kn- that knew things about me before Rachel ever knew I was in existence. These were men that I confessed my sin to, that, that, that when things were bad at home, they were there to love me, they were there to encourage me. When I wanted to run away, in fact, when I wanted to run away from my relationship with Rachel, they were like, you're an idiot, dude. She's the best thing you've got right now. Like, what are you doing next to Jesus? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, these are men who knew me. I, I, I didn't need it to be romantic for it to be real. That was love. What they did and they displayed to me was love, and I didn't need to act on it in a sexual way, or uh, for it to 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 validate it to be real. Sex does not validate love.
3: God does. Um, I would like to just add in, and this kind of goes along uh, first of all with what Jimmy said, in that um, we have to look at you know, how did God, what did God create, right? He created a man and a woman. And why did he create sex? What is the purpose of sex? A man and a woman come together and they're intimate with one another. And then there's something that is created, um, that is conceived, if you will, that comes out of that, So in the physical sense, with a man and a woman, they come together, it's procreation. They're having, they're creating a child. That woman could not do that on her own. That man could not do that on his own. They had to come together to do that. And he designed it this way. Um, You know, in the New Testament, we talk about, um, we are the bride of Christ. And it's an illustration of God's Um, relationship with us. When God has a relationship with us and we are intimate with God, there's something that is conceived and born out of that relationship. And God is different than us, right? And so together... Things are, things are conceived. And usually what that is, is there's new birth and growth in our lives, but it's also us winning other people to the Lord, right? So it's an illustration. And the, the bottom line, you guys, is that, um, is that whatever God designed, Satan wants to pervert. And it's not just homosexuality. It's sex outside of marriage, It's pornography. It's all sexual immorality. It destroys not just your spirit, but your body. It eventually destroys your body. Why do you think everybody and their brother has to buy Viagra and Cialis these days? we're misusing the things that God gave us. We're not using them the way that he intended for us to use them. And when we do that, it results in death and destruction. And I'm going to tell you guys something. My oldest son is gay. Grew up in a Christian home. We did everything. I thought, you know, whatever. I never dream This is the one thing. I- oh, that I never have to worry about that, right? Because it's always environmental. And he has a great home and blah, blah, blah. And he's gay. He's same-sex attracted. And he has decided to be an atheist because He's super-duper smart, and he researched the Bible high and low and read Greek and Hebrew, and he could not make the Bible say that it was okay to be in a homosexual relationship. And he also didn't want to live feeling like he was a not good enough person. And so he is right now not walking with the Lord. Now... I know this, I know God has a plan for his life. I tell you that to say, I'm not sitting up here as someone who is not affected by this, okay? People ask me all the time, what are you gonna do if he gets married? I'm like, you know what? I don't need to worry about that right now because he's not getting married and God will give me the answer and the grace to get through that. But I love him and he knows we love him and he's part of our family. We have not kicked, we don't kick him out. We don't, he's, that's not what this is about. And if you know people that are struggling with that, we don't reject them. We love people, right? We love people because we, we're broken. We're broken. And we're living in a broken, sinful world. So if, you, if you're if you struggling, I do want to point something else too. The homosexual thoughts um, themselves are not sin. I'm gonna, that's, I mean, if you... Behavior is sin. Action is sin, right? We all get tempted. You know, one of the things in the thing, you actually said, act on these desires, right? I can tell you this right up front. You know, once you get married, um, all of a sudden you're gonna get desires to have sex with people other than your spouse because that's what Satan does. It's never enough. You're gonna always be tempted. And so that's why we don't act on our desires because they're not always godly, right? Um, So anyways, that's just, I guess that's what I want to say. If you're struggling with homosexual thoughts, desires, whatever, once again, we would love to have one-on-one conversations with you. And um, everything is always confidential, and no one's gonna rat you out. I will tell you one thing, that when we are struggling with any kind of um, habitual sin uh, like this, whether it's any kind of sexual sin and you know even some other kinds of addictions, the very best thing you can do is confess it to somebody. Confess it to another person. James 5 says, confess your sin to one another that you may be healed. That's what brings us healing. It's not necessarily God knows our sin and yes, we confess and we repent to God. um, But what brings us healing is when we actually humble ourselves and we confess our sin to another human being. um, And then, you know, we pray through that and we repent. So that is what I have to say about that. All
2: right. All right. Yikes, that took a lot longer than I thought. But I'm glad we did. Um, here's another fastball. <clears throat> if, if Jesus was Plan A, this is going to be you, Jimmy. So I'm just kidding. <clears throat> or whoever it is. Not, I, can, I mean, Jen, how about this? Jen, if, she- <laughs> <laughs> if Jesus was Plan A, then why was there the garden? Were we set up? <clears throat> it's a very leading question. I. Yeah.
4: Jen, it's all you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you don't want to, it's totally fine. Yeah, he said, she said Jimmy. She said Jimmy starts and then she slam okay, dunks I'll, it. That's I'll, what she said.
4: I'll alley oop it. Why, if Jesus was plan A, then why was there the garden where we set up? Okay. Okay, Okay. so um, everyone say the word theodicy. All right, I'm sorry. I have to go full seminary on you guys, okay, for a second. Uh, so, th- yeah, yeah, oh gosh, he's going there. Okay, so theodicy is this kind of category whenever we're trying to deal with justifying God. Like, you, you ever read Joshua before? Yeah, like, what, what's the kind of the questionable thing God does in Joshua? Yeah, he, he yeah. <laughs> Go read it. It's kind of like, dear God, what? This is insane. Okay, like, so it's kind of things like that. Like, how do we justify, like, a good God who does this? You, you get where I'm going with this? Okay. So the question behind this is like, okay, did God set us up um, and, what was, the, what was the question? Sorry. Yeah. Why, what? Oh, sure. Did it God, yeah. Uh, okay, if Jesus was plan A, why did God set us up? Okay, if Jesus was plan A, why then why was there the garden? Okay, were we set up? Okay. Man, Ali, you please, Jen, do you have anything? I'm trying to think. where we set it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right, is that, because you're... Yeah, we're dealing with sovereignty Because most God. people would say Jesus' plan B right because there was the garden and then they fell and guy was like oh my gosh now i need another plan okay because jesus will come and die right and then so we say no there was always this was always the plan okay, so got it. jesus was plan a yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, does that make sense yep. Yep.
4: yeah 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 okay. so okay Jesus was not plan B. He was always plan A. So think of it this way. When we think about, like, God's sovereignty uh, or we think about the will of God, we mentioned that uh, earlier when it comes to what's God's will for my life, there are two senses to God's will, okay? Right? When we hear the word A will of God or we read about it in the Bible, there are two ways that's used. There's this one will where we call it the moral will, okay? So what's God's will for your life? It's to live for him. It's to be righteous. It's to be sanctified and to love God and love neighbor. Is that a choice that we can do? That we can act? Yeah, that we can, yeah, we're called to do that. That's God's will for your life, is to be obedient and to trust in him. Now, there's this other side of God's will called his sovereign and divine will, okay? Uh and here's the thing about that. Uh, there are parts of it that we know that one, that he sent his son, Jesus, that one day he's going to come again and that he's going to make all things new. We know that's clear because he's revealed that to us in his word. Uh, but there are other parts about his divine sovereign will that we don't know. Um, so in Deuteronomy 29:29, it says that the secret things of God belong to who? It belongs to God. And those are things that us as finite human beings that are imperfect, like we have no business knowing because God is in control of all those things. And he's greater than us. And he has a plan that the secret plan, the secret will that we are not privy to, but we trust that he is ultimately good. So, bless you. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus was always plan A, uh, but whenever we sinned, we did break his will in the moral will sense, but we didn't, how do I say this, like divert God's plan or change his plan. Like God is always known. He's unchangeable. Uh, He knows all things. Um, So I hope that makes sense. Jen, do you have any thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I think that is all great. And I think I backed off to be completely honest because you start thinking like, well, oh, what is the deep theology in this? And I don't know if I am, I'm not a scholar in theology. And so you think, I don't know the answer to that. Like I do, I think, but uh, do you know how to say it out loud? But I just wanted to say like things like that, I think we can be so thankful that there are people out there that have searched and have done the research and you can go find those answers. But also, for me, I just wanted to encourage you. Like, if you don't know the deep theology, like, to, you're not, like, God has given you his spirit. And you can go into his word and you can read and let his spirit reveal himself to you. And, like, so I can, you know... I just wanted to encourage you, like, to not feel like you're below an answer like that or to think that God's word can't speak to you and to bring that question to him and just be like, God, I'm going to study your word. Could you show me? Can you show me? Can you speak to me? Um, Because I can read through, I know that Jesus was plan A and I can read the Old Testament, and I can start seeing, like, you know, in the New Testament, it says that Jesus opened the book, and he said, this is how it was pointing to me all along, and and so to go back through the Old Testament and to start to see that come alive, like, that answers that question in my heart to me, like, God had planned this all along, and this is, it is shown all through scripture, and, like, let God speak that to your heart, and, and let him, he you're, you don't have to go to seminary to see how the Bible is true and how it will speak to you. If God calls you to seminary, go, because that's awesome. But, like, don't feel like, sorry, you, yeah. God is alive and present within you, and the Bible speaks to you. And so get in it and read it.
2: And I think with, with questions like these, we... Uh we get the impression i think sometimes that unless we know everything there is it's not valid so then christianity is not a valid thing right cuz like oh i don't i don't know if this is all true or not and here's the thing like the bible's not like it, it doesn't exist like a dictionary it doesn't exist as an encyclopedia piece where it's trying to give you all the information like something that i recently rem- realized, and just sitting in class once, was everything in here is all that we can understand, but even this is not the full mind of God. This whole thing is only enough for us to know God enough for our minds to understand. Like, it's crazy. Our minds can only understand a dot of what God's fullness is. It's okay if we can't answer every single question. It truly, that isn't why it exists. I'm not knocking scholars. I'm not, I went to seminary with Jimmy. Like I'm not knocking any of those things. We just have to come to the Bible with the right understanding that it's not here to answer all the nitty gritty details. It's, it exists for us to know God. When we ask these questions, sometimes it tries to boast our info and that we know more or that there's more validity to it. It, That's not why it is. So I would even encourage you to again, like, like Jen and Jimmy, like coming to the Bible for answers is okay, but may we come to the God's Word more to see Him um, than we are to answer some of these questions? Because that's the more important part. Uh, because in heaven, I promise you, that question's not going to be a worry to you. Oh, why, how did Jesus do it? Or why did, we, what, did you set us up? He's like, you're in heaven. That's what you're really worried about, you know? And us. Uh, so, is not to to downplay that, those questions and it's okay if you're a thinker, God made you that way, but just want you to know, um, lean more into what his what His word reveals about him than worry about knowing every single minutia of every single word of Hebrew and Greek and all, knowing all those things because none of those things will add to you the days of your life or your salvation. All right, well, it is 9.05. Uh well, I'll let you all decide this. Uh, do y'all want one more? Yeah. All right. No. I had these on there, another but. Another
4: opportunity to step on a landmine. Yeah. Uh, That's great. I'll
2: be here for another four hours. All right, Jen. Two more, holy cow. All right, Jen, pick it out. Some of y'all are trying to go to Chili's. Pick an easy one. Oh, okay. There's two right here. We'll see what happens. All right, Lord. Oh, this is, it's a front and back. Holy cow. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, those are two different questions. How is it? No, it's not, it's not not a good one. I thought it said a monster. (laughs) It's mentor. This is a good question, but uh, this other one, um, I think is the one I want to go with. Um, Here's what it says. This is a land, it's not a landmine, but it's gonna take some time. Um, Cause it's really, it's a really good question. I think a lot of us struggle with this. How can I start to accept God's love when I feel unworthy of it? Most of the relationships I've had that I thought were loving were abusive. How do I separate those experiences from God's love and be open to accepting that i'm not going first so <laughs> <clears throat> uh,
3: i'll
4: get it started i love for you guys to sure <laughs> sure um so uh so uh, i love my dad and uh and uh, he's a great guy and great man but he we didn't always have the greatest relationship um and and that affected me for a long time um and I still have some daddy issues now I think I'm still working through um and whether I'm aware of it or not so uh whenever I became a follower of Jesus and I understood uh like you know the basics of the faith and everything um, my relationship with my father really kind of affected my view of who God was, um, because, uh, you know, when it comes to my dad, you know, he's, you know, he's imperfect, you know, um, he did the best that he could as a Vietnamese immigrant coming here from after the war, um, from Vietnam and, uh, you know, he did the best that he could, you know, and, uh, and he raised me as best as he could. But however, um, there are deficiencies in his parenting. There were times when he was working a lot, uh, working as a fisherman, working as a shrimper in the Gulf Coast and would be gone for a month. Then would come home and he was basically a stranger to me in many ways and um, was, he didn't abuse me, but over, over, oftentimes um, he was just very harsh, disciplinary, and high expectations. Um, you know, high expectation nation, dad. You can uh, Google the memes. Um And uh, but you know, as a follower of Jesus, like that, my view of uh, God uh, was really kind of tainted uh, in many ways by my earthly father because of his imperfections and his just who he was, basically. And I don't blame everything on my dad. There are parts of it, a lot of parts of it were me as well, my sin and my immaturities. Um, but really, though, um, I have to go back to this, is that there's no one like our God, um, that he is different, that he is distinct, and that he is not like any one of us. He's not like anything on this planet, and uh, that he's actually the best parent I could ever have, my Heavenly Father, um, and even though my my earthly father is meant to be a reflection of him, he doesn't compare uh, to my actual heavenly father um, and whenever I understood that that like that I can't put that on God uh, that's whenever I really, really understood that my heavenly Father is perfect, that he is love um, that throughout all of my life he carried me and he he protected me he um, provided for me, um, actually even through my earthly father as well, um, despite his sin, despite his imperfections and everything. So so yeah, when it comes to just relationships and how that can affect your view of God, just remember that uh, there's no one like our God. He's distinct. And that's why our faith is so great is that we trust in something and someone who is not like us and who's great and powerful, but ultimately good And when we understand that, we can actually receive God's love. Um, So that was my experience um, in that journey, so.
0: Yeah, I think that is important when you realize the difference between um, that others give and the love of God. is our relationship with God, is that a relationship? And I think that when you start to... Work on that and not to make it seem like it's working to you, but when you put time into getting to know God and you confess all that to Him and you make that dialogue start happening, like you... Rose that in you, he shows that, he reveals that to you, the love that he has for you, his constant pursuit for you. And it's like, how do you know somebody loves you when they're off over there in the corner and you never talk to them and, and you don't let them kind of in? And God delights in you and pursues you and he wants you and he loves you. And when you start to Allow that to take hold in you. It just transforms you from the inside out. And He's not afraid of your, your unbelief and your your disbelief. Or you know He or you know come to Him, surrender that all to Him. Say, I don't know what love is. I don't know what a true relationship looks like. I I'm comparing you to this, um, and just lay that before Him and let Him just start to show you. Um, through prayer and his word when you read the bible like his the love and the character of god his loyal love his steadfast love like it starts to permeate your heart and the walls that you build up and show you um
2: can i can i see that real quick just want <clears throat> to Do you want to say something?
3: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the question was phrased, I feel unworthy. How do I accept God's love when I feel unworthy? And so one of the things that we um, need to do when we become Christ followers, according to Romans 12, is that we need to renew our minds. We need to change the way our minds are thinking. Because our, um, okay, so our soul which is eternal, it's not a part, like we have a brain, right? But we also have a soul, uh, which is eternal, and um, it's made up of our mind, which is where we think our thoughts. And our will, which is where we choose our behavior, and then our feelings, which are our feelings, our emotions. And every single behavior and every single feeling begins with a thought. So if we want to change the way we feel, we have to change the way we think. And the way that we change the way we think is refer to in another verse where it says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So most of us don't think about what we're thinking about, right? We have self-talk going on in our heads all the time, every day, but we don't really listen to it. We don't really pay attention. How many times do we say, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot or I'm just, you know, I'm so stupid. I can't like, you know, well, these are things that we're, we're thinking about ourselves. And so the key to changing um, behaviors and the key to changing feelings is to get our thoughts in order and to think things that are true. Another scripture whatsoever of things are good and true and right and honorable and of good report. And those things are scriptures, right? If we take scripture, um, and we start really trying to think Scripture um, and line up our thoughts with Scripture, then we know that we're going measure we're going to hit all those marks. We're going to hit good and right and true and honorable and things that God wants for us. So this would be my one little practical tip for helping to change that feeling part, feeling unworthy is to go to Scripture and find scriptures about your worth to God as a person. And they're in there. You can even just Google them. Um, You know, my specialness to God. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says that God like rejoices over you with singing. Like he dances over you. Like there's really cool verses in the Bible about how God feels about you. And you take those verses and you write them down on index cards or wherever. And you just, all day long, you say them out loud. You know, thank you, God, that you rejoice over me with singing. Or thank you, God, that you, you know, your loving kindness is new every morning. Whatever verses that you find that speak to you. And you you change the thinking. you got to change what you're thinking. Because that's eventually going to change what you're feeling. And when you're thinking truth, and you're thinking the truth of God's word um, all day, every day. That's also going to change your behavior eventually as well um, as your feelings. So that would just be one of my little practical tips of like, Um, I don't feel worthy, but you are worthy if you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. God looks at you through that lens of Jesus Christ and you are worthy of his love. So feeling unworthy or listening to Satan's lie that you're not worthy, yeah, you gotta get that out of your head and put the truth of God's word in your head. Whoever
2: wrote this, um, I'm really sorry. Like, I just need you to hear that. It's not your fault. You didn't ask for that. You didn't welcome it. So whoever wrote this, I am truly. My heart breaks for you. But when we ask these kind of questions, we really leave it up to ourselves, right? How can I accept it? Just tell me how I can do better. It's that talk again, right? It's why you can't be loved, right? Because you didn't get it right. So you deserve it. And this becomes this endless cycle again and again and again if i can't get it right i'm not loved or i can't accept it because i didn't do it right and maybe everything that everyone ever said about me was right and they and you know what maybe i am wrong maybe i'm unlovable and then you end up a spiral of thinking there's no one out there that will actually ever love me it's not up to you how can i start to accept god's love when i feel unworthy of it i, I hard truth you can't do it by yourself You were never meant to. Yes, we need God, and yes, we need his word, but the way he translates that to us and helps download that into our hearts is through his people. It's why we advocate so deeply for this community. It's why we care to have this, these discipleship groups, our life groups, our, our young adult gatherings, our Sunday gatherings, because you may not know it, but you need the person next to you to remind you of, of that truth, of why you're loved, that you are loved. That renewing doesn't just happen by accident. It happens day by day by day. That's the thing, it's never gonna be an overnight thing. And so what does the world tell us? If it's not overnight, you have one, one of two options. Pretend it doesn't exist or you medicate. And I don't mean by just medicine. I don't mean by antidepressants. I mean by alcohol, by Tinder, by social media, things that will just numb it down because you're just thinking, man, I just gotta get to the end of the day. You can't separate these experiences. That's not what God asks you to do. Um, That's where I think sometimes the church can get it wrong, personally. We say, hey, forget the past. (laughs) God didn't forget your past. He knows your entire story. And what I love most is not that he erases it, he rewrites it. As if to say everything that's ever happened to you had a purpose. As if to say that your whole life mattered enough to rewrite. You're not worthy because you say you are. You're not worthy because you think you have to tell yourself, I am enough, right? That's what they tell you. You just gotta tell yourself, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm a boss, babe. I'm a this guy, I'm enough. And if no one gives it to me, then they're not worth my time. That's not how it works. You're made in the image of a God that is way bigger than we could ever imagine. That's why we're worthwhile. We don't gain our worth in accepting Jesus. We're worthwhile because we're made in Him. So please don't try to separate your experience. Let the Lord rewrite it. And then I pray that you will learn to accept His love as your people here remind you of His truth day in and day out. So I think that is it for tonight. So I'll pray for us. Thank you panelists very much. Um, I'll pray and then there's two other announcements I have. um, And then we can hang out here, go to Chili's, go wherever you wanna go. Twisty Treat, it's warm enough for Twisty Treat now if y'all wanna go. Um, But yeah, let's just pray. Um, God, this tin can represents your people's experience And I think there's a temptation here, Lord, to think that because these questions are here, that you're distant and that you don't care. That within each word and each letter on these pieces of paper, there are probably pain, tears and agony, confusion and desperation. God, I pray for our hearts to remember that you have not left us alone that just because we don't understand doesn't mean that you're not good. That just because we don't know what the next step is doesn't mean that you don't love us. God, I pray for our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would remind us that we can ask you these questions and know that we'll hear an answer from you. It may not be as quick as we want them, but we know that we'll hear it. God, let us go to your word. Let us go to your community. Let us go to you. Diligently. I, I, my heart breaks as I hear these questions, Lord, because there's, there's so many questions here that have shown that the is at work trying to mess with your children's minds. But any weapon that the enemy has made will not prevail, Father. You've promised as much. You're rewriting stories right now. You're changing hearts right now. You're making minds new right now. Not because I say it, not because I pray it, not because we're the panelists, but because you're a faithful God who's made it so. Give us patience. Give us patience, Father, because we want we want a, a microwave faith, but Lord, that's not what you promised. Faith in you is meant to be everlasting, never ending. Help us, even in our unbelief, help us. Help us believe. Help us know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cool. Um, I do have these two announcements, and I'm glad that Deb's here. So how many of you here were here last week? show hands? Quite a bit of you. And some of you might have been um, to, uh, were sitting in those um, missions breakouts, and now some of you also happen to have sit, sat on the, uh, the stopping and fighting against human trafficking uh, breakout. It was wonderful. We loved it. We're very thankful for Lauren and for Caleb for what they shared their stories. But um, what I love about those things more than, than anything is not just that we hear about stories of broken people who have come into wholeness in Christ and not just that we hear our own people, Lauren and Caleb sharing how God has even morphed their hearts. What I love most is that when we hear a a, a horrifying story, as much as sex sex trafficking and sexual brokenness, and then we see it in light of what God's doing, we respond in one of two ways. We're like, man, we wanna go out there and, and help. But the other thing that happens is, oh my gosh, I've been human trafficked. I've been sexually abused. I am part of the problem because I'm addicted to pornography. I feed the system that makes this system need women and men and take them from countries and abuse their bodies so I can have a moment of satisfaction. It's not to guilt you. It's not. Um, For those of you who came up to Lauren and Caleb and confessed, hey, I have been sexually abused and I don't know where to go. Or I um, uh, struggle with pornography and I don't know what to do with it. The answer isn't to pretend it's not there. It's to run to Christ through community. And so I just wanna let you know a couple opportunities we have at Mosaic. Because again, God is not afraid to answer these questions and he is not afraid of your sin and he's not afraid of your situation. And neither are we. We We're actually eager to meet with you. And so on Monday nights, we have um, purity groups uh, here that meet for men. And then also for, um, we don't have uh, exactly a female version of it, but we have this thing called regroup. And uh, it meets here on Tuesday nights, right Deb? Monday night. Okay. That's why she's here. Um, (laughs) Partly. And so just know there are avenues here to help you move towards wholeness, restoration, healing, and redemption. Like that's actually what God's will is for you. It's those things. Wholeness, healing, redemption, because that's what he is. He's a God who redeems He's a God who is whole. He's a God who heals. Like that's who he is. And so he wants that for you. So um, just know that those are avenues for you. And for those of you who um, have experienced um, sexual abuse, uh, this is for the woman in the room. uh, There's a group that meets in Claremont on Friday mornings. Um, You you don't want to go through this alone. And uh, I have not experienced sexual abuse. Uh, Through my experience in counseling, I have met with those who do and the one thing that I have met, I have seen time and time and time and time again is that whether it was the enemy or it was just the world, they were like, no one will believe me and no one cares and so why bother telling anyone and so they keep it to themselves and these are the women who are statistically hired to cut themselves, to medicate, to um, <laughs> go in and, and, and commit suicide because it's not that they don't believe this life is not worth living. It's just it hurts too much. That's not what God wants. But the only way for us to move into wholeness, into healing, is to bring it into light. There are safe spaces for you. There are. We can't force you to go there. We just want to know, we want you to know that it is there. So if those are Anything that you want to do, you can talk to uh, any of the panelists and I, any of the core team leaders, um, anybody with a, a name tag, we'd love to talk to you and connect with you. You can connect with Deb. Um, her email is here if you want to take a picture of it, or I will just leave it here because I can imagine if you want to take a picture you're afraid that people will know that you want to go, just I will leave it here. I'm just going to leave it here. Um, and if you want to secretly later take a picture of it, go ahead. Um, there's no shame to be had. We. Don't care how you get to these groups. We just care that you go to them, that you know that there's places of care and love for you. Um, And if there's, look, there's so many questions here that we didn't get to. Um, If you felt like there was a big question in there that you were really hoping to be answered, you can email me or you can come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it set up a meeting with you or uh, direct you in a place that can help you answer these questions. Again, we're not running from these questions from you. We want to help you answer them. We want to be part of your journey as you uh, learn to be a disciple of Jesus, okay? Um, As always, we'll have prayer here in this corner um, and we'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Again, we're not afraid of your questions. We want to join with you as you fight and combat the brokenness in your life. Um, Other than that, have a great rest of your Thursday. We love you. Come hang out. Talk to you soon.
3: Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.